It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you. It's all on the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our programs, including the Giants Huddle Podcast, where we're doing a lot of great draft prep research interviews at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and on your favorite podcast platforms. Today, we're going to have our first Big Blue Kickoff Live mock draft of the year. We're going to have three, one this week, one next Friday, and then one the Thursday afternoon right before round one of the draft and what's going to be a two-hour draft day special. So this is going to be number one. We're going to split the picks up. Lance, Paul, and I will take turns. We'll pick one through three, and then obviously we'll rotate throughout. I'll set it up so each time we do this, each person will have a chance to make those picks for the Giants. We are predicting what these teams will do, not what we think they should do. These are not our picks. These are us trying to guess or correctly predict what these teams will do. Uh, we're not necessarily, and Paul and I were talking about this before the show, concerned with you know nailing each player to each team, but it is a useful exercise to figure out the range of certain players, especially for the second round for the Giants, what players will be likely to be on and off the board for them in round number two. And just to, to, to note, last year, I think in two of these, we actually had Xavier McKinney go to the Giants, and we kind of figured out that there was a good chance he would be there in the second round. So that's where these things are useful, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Are you guys ready to go? Let's do All this. Set. Absolutely. All right, let's start. We gave... The honors to Mr. Dettino to get the easy layup pick to start off our draft. <laughs> easy layup pick. It is a layup pick. <laughs> Paul Dettino, first overall, Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I, <laughs> layup pick is probably an understatement. I mean, is there anybody on the planet who doesn't believe that they're taking Trevor Lawrence? No. You know, honestly. And we, we asked the Clemson reporter when we did the BBK revolving around the Tigers if he had heard of anyone who doubted that pick, and he said no. So I think it's 100% unanimous. So let's put Lawrence in with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And no reason to waste time talking about it because I think we all agree that's going to happen. Urban Meyer was basically calling the plays for him at his <laughs> yes, pro day. He so was. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be the selection. All right, Lance Meadow, let's go to you. You have the New York Jets at number two. Still going to take the Jaguars 15 minutes to make that pick, by the way, <laughs> by, which is probably right. the most comical aspect of the NFL draft. The fact that we just don't start the draft with number two is quite ridiculous. So it's only appropriate that we move forward here with the number well, two Lance, pick. Well, Lance, you have to make sure trade offers don't come in. Yeah, because I'm sure Jacksonville is going to contemplate <laughs> yeah, those trade offers. You know what's funny yeah. about that, though, fellas? I don't even think it's about that. I think it's about TV. Oh, uh, it might be. Honestly, the, you're the right. Net, I guarantee you that the networks have told the league, "Look, we need the drama. We need the build up. We need the ability to talk about the pick, and we need to shove in some more advertising before the the guys actually get the card up there." It's. I bet you it's a TV thing more than anything else. That would not no, surprise I'm me. I'm sure that plays a big role. Though I would argue, considering. They go on 
on the air about a good hour before the clock even starts. That's more than enough to preview the number one overall pick, Paul. So they I agree with their you, advertising Lance. And then some in that hour. I, I agree but, yeah. with you a 1,000%, but I'm also very cynical at how TV wags the dog from its very tail. Sure. Well, I don't think the Jets are going to be wagging their tail much because I think that they also, like the Jaguars, have a pretty good idea that Zach Wilson is their guy. I think the writing was on the wall when they shipped Sam Darnold to the Panthers. They were waiting to make sure that Zach Wilson's shoulder was at least near full health. And as long as the medical aspects check out, which I believe they have, I think the Jets will move forward. And Zach Wilson will be their guy who they're hoping will provide some stability under center, which has been quite the challenge for that franchise over the last few decades. All right. Zach Wilson to the Jets in number two. Not a surprise. That's what everyone expects. Did you guys see, by the way, the report, and I don't remember who had it, that the Jets apparently had turned down the Niners, the Niners. first yeah. round pick for Sam Darnold. And look, I, I understand the reasoning. They didn't want to trade Darnold until they had a look at Zach Wilson in his shoulder and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I get it. But if that's true, you know, it just shows how timing is so important in, in, in trying to get some of these trades done. Was it the third overall? That's it? One pick? No, no, it, it wouldn't have been the third overall. It, it would have been their, what, it was 12th overall they were, Lance, I think, before that trade. Yeah, they were picking 12th. Yeah. So it would have been that pick for Donald oh, straight up. Oh, okay. I got you. Well, they got less than that in the trade they eventually made. Yes, but that's when they were comfortable making a trade at all, which is why it's (laughs) not. See, it's funny. That's just how important timing is in all these things in terms of getting these things done. All right, I'm up with the San Francisco 49ers, and this is the first draft pick of this draft where you're not exactly sure who they're going to pick. We all know they're picking a quarterback, but the question is which one. The Niners are picking Mac Jones' smoke was way too thick, way too fast after they made that pick. I think there were directions sent out, either directly or indirectly, that the Niners want to throw up a bit of a smoke screen here. Uh, I'm not sure how that helps them, given we know Lawrence and Wilson are the top two picks, but NFL teams do things like that. I do not think they're taking Mac Jones here. I think Trey Lance makes sense as someone that can kind of hang and train behind Jimmy Garoppolo with his high-end skill set. But here's the bottom line. I believe that Justin Fields is the third-best quarterback prospect in this draft. I would have a hard time justifying taking Trey Lance over him based on the body of work and the skill set. I mean, what does Trey Lance do better than Justin Fields? I'll wait. I don't think there's an answer. So why would you pick Trey Lance over Justin Fields? You don't. So I'm going Justin Fields, quarterback Ohio State, to the San Francisco 49ers. John, you confused me there because at the top yeah, of the so show you. you said that you were going to name guys you thought the team was picking. No, and I do. Now you're saying you think this quarterback is better than the other guy. No, but I think the 49ers believe that this quarterback's better than the oh, other guys too. you do? Yeah, my okay. point is that I think all the Mac Jones stuff is smoke. I don't think that's who the Niners are planning on picking. I don't think that's who they're going to pick when all is said and done. So I believe in the end they will pick the best quarterback prospect, and I believe that in the end they will believe – the best quarterback prospect is Justin Fields. Okay. All Fair right. enough? All right, so we're, we're, we're sticking with that philosophy then. We think we're, we're talking about who we believe the team will take. Yes. We are we're on the same page. Bottom line, if I, had okay. to, if I had to place a bet today of who the Niners are going to pick, I would bet on Justin Fields. That's my okay. point. Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, means, didn't mean to confuse it there. I'm sorry. Well, maybe I just misunderstood. No, that's okay. I'm looking at the Atlanta Falcons here at number four. 
And I truly believe that they're waffling between two decisions. This is a big pivot pick, by the way, Detino. This is a big one that's going to determine how this top 10 goes. There's no question about that, John. And I think what they really would like to do is trade out. I really believe that the Falcons would like to trade out and, and give that pick to somebody who is desperate for a quarterback. The question becomes, how far down do you go and what is the offer going to be? Now, I don't know if you're including trades in this or not. Yes, so, well, we are. So if anybody, by the way, that owns a pick later in this first round that wants to trade up, they can pick up the phone and, and call Mr. Detino right now. Well, because what's going to happen here is the Falcons are either trading the pick or they're taking Kyle Pitts. It's that simple. There is no other option here. And I just don't know if they're going to get the offer to move up because I personally don't believe there's another quarterback in this draft outside of Lawrence who should be picked this highly. So I, I just, I mean, this isn't a, this is, to me, this is not a Falcons decision, John. It's a decision that some other team is going to make to bowl them over with an offer they can't refuse to go get a QB. Well, I can tell you right now, I own the Broncos pick at number nine. Do you want it? And I own the Patriots pick at number 15. So I control the quarterback market right now. And if I'm the Patriots, I think that's too high of a move for me. I'm not willing to give up that capital. And if I'm the Broncos, I'm feeling confident enough that a quarterback will be there sitting for me at number nine. So I will decline to send you an offer. Then I'm the Falcons, and I'm taking Kyle Pitts. Slam dunk. Unless I think the Lance, Falcons will be content with that, too. Anybody Arthur that don't... Smith loves his tight ends. If you go back to how he utilized them in Tennessee, and you add him with... Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, I don't think Matt Ryan's going to have any complaints. Oh, remember, they had Tony Gonzalez, too, at one yeah, time. absolutely. Any, well, and by the way, anybody that owns Washington's or Chicago picks want to pick up the phone there? Or too or too big of a move? Yeah, I I, I just don't see that happening, John. I don't think they're going to get bowled over. I, I agree. That's fine. Go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. And that's why Pitts is gone. Well, you have to really be enamored with Trey Lance under these circumstances to want to mm-hmm. move up. Because I just find it hard to believe that somebody's going to move up to grab Mac Jones it's no disrespect to Mac Jones I think he had a really good college career he was surrounded by a lot of talent I think his completion percentage is good he's a good decision maker I just don't know if he's an x-factor that is worth giving up so many assets to move up whereas maybe he could just fall to you if you're patient so that's why I think it would be a decision of does Trey Lance show you enough over 17 games that justifies you moving up and he's your guy. Well, and that's what I think you'd have to ask yourself if you're going to swap with the Atlanta Falcons. So then the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. And I think even though they probably are a little bit disappointed that Kyle Pitts is off the board, they're still all smiles. Because while I've been torn between what the Bengals are going to do, I actually find them to be one of the most fascinating teams in the top 10. I agree. You can argue an offensive lineman justifies the value here, justifies the need. But you could also say the Bengals can address that in the second round and some of the prolific offensive weapons at the skilled positions are going to drop off by the time you get to the second round. So I think the Bengals, they're going to have that back-and-forth affair offensive lineman versus skilled player, and I think the skilled position player wins out because I think the attractiveness of reuniting Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow is too much to pass up and give him yet another weapon with T. Higgins as well as Tyler Boyd. They got Joe Mixon in the backfield. It just makes too much sense. You've got an offensive-minded coach. I think they run that up there, and they reunite the LSU weaponry with Jamar Chase going to the Bengals at five. 
I think that's a good pick. Makes I sense. think you can make the argument, I think, for Panay Sewell. And I think mm-hmm. this is almost a similar situation that the Giants are going to be in, right, Paul? Yeah. Where you like, all right, well, do we feel better about wide receiver first round, offensive line second round, or offensive line first round, wide receiver second round? And I think Jamar Chase, in the end, would be my highest graded player of the group. So I understand why Lance would go there, plus the connection to Joe Burrow. And look, they do have Jonah Williams and Riley Reef. Riley Reef is not a bum. He's a starting ta- caliber offensive tackle. He's a Pro Bowl ca- caliber tackle? No. But you can get then an interior lineman in round two if you want to go there. So I think if all said and done, I think I would go with Chase here too in Lance's spot. Paul, your thoughts? I, I, I totally agree. I mean, what you said at the very beginning of your comments – uh, that the Giants are going to be in a very similar position where you could logically argue for at least two or three different directions makes their pick very interesting. But but the Burrow-Chase connection just seems to be a little too sexy to pass up. And by the way, for number four, I didn't have a chance to get this in, but I think there is a, a, a twinkle of an idea where if you're the Falcons, you don't think you're picking this high again and you want to get Matt Ryan's successor. So I do think there is a thought about a quarterback there, but I will not argue about Kyle Pitts, obviously, okay. at number four. Uh, six for the Dolphins. I am up. Now, with Jamar Chase and Pitts off the board, it makes my decision a little bit tougher because I think either one of those guys would have been my shoe-in pick if they were sitting there. So now I'm looking at three choices, and I think this is a really tough call, to be honest with you. Penny Sewell, Jalen Waddle, and Devonta Smith. They have Fuller and Parker at wide receiver, which is a, a good group. It's not a great group, so I feel like I can add there. They do have their Austin Jackson, their starting left tackle, his first-round pick last year. But Robert Hunt, who I think a lot of people think is a guard, is their starting right tackle. So I think you can improve in that spot. So I'm kind of making that same calculation here because I want to help Tua. For me, if you're the Dolphins, your main idea here is to is to find out about Tua, help him out, the same way the Bengals are thinking, the same way the Giants are going to think. So I'm deciding, do I go receiver here or do I go offensive lineman? And... Miami, remember, doesn't have to wait till the second round. They have another pick in the first round, too. Yes. So that makes this decision a little bit different. And I feel like I can get my pick of the right tackles if I want them with that second first round pick. And I think the receiver that fits next to Fuller, who's your speed guy, and Parker, who's your big contested catch guy, what you want with those two is the route runner. That's going to be able to win one-on-one. And I think if you play Devontae Smith in the slot, it solves some of his issues with getting pressed at the line of scrimmage. So I'm going to give Tua, his old running mate from Alabama, Devonta Smith. And I understand the logic behind that, John. I don't, I don't think anybody could really argue against that. Well, and he probably is going to eventually take over if that's the pick because Will Fuller was only on a one-year deal, and there's yep. no guarantee he's in the long-term plans for that team anyway, depending on whether or not he could actually stay healthy. So I think they look at him as a low-risk, high-reward move, maybe help develop the youngster if they take a wide receiver at six, and then when it's all said and done, if it is Devontae Smith, the following year— he and Devontae Parker are going to be the two guys lining up opposite one another because I don't think there's any guarantee Will Fuller is in their long-term plans. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we go to the Lions at pick number seven, and this is, again, one of the easiest picks in the top ten, at least I see it You that think way. so? Oh, yeah. Okay. I think the Lions have, well, I'm going to be really nice here because I don't want to pick on anybody, but their wide receiving core 
I've seen Bergen Catholic High School probably have better weapons. Well, they than lost the everybody. Yeah, no, so that's, it's understandable. Okay. That's true. And when you consider that, where need is so overwhelmingly part of this equation, and you have somebody like Jalen Waddle, who is clearly a top ten value, there's no way in the world that they can pass on him. Now, I let me let me give you a counter here. The way Campbell describes their new head coach, how he wants to coach, mm-hmm. I just feel like he's not going to want to make a receiver. And Chris Spielman, former linebacker, right? Are those guys going to make a receiver? <laughs> so a you receiver? want them to pick Parsons is what you want. No, or or, or pick a, or pick one of the offensive linemen here. Uh, I'm I'm giving them Waddle. Okay. I don't think they, I don't think they could pass on him because his grade is a bona fide top ten grade. No argument. I was just giving you the the counterfactual there. Understood. Lance, well, what do Jared you think Goff of Waddle needs there? a target. Yeah. So it's hard for me to dispute the fact that the Lions, whether or not Jalen Waddle fits in with their philosophy. Remember, their new general manager came from the Rams organization. Spielman is more of a consultant type of guy at this point. He's not making the full decisions. And I think if you know Jared Goff that well and you realize he was surrounded by a wealth of talent in L.A., Waddle would be a step in the right direction to help him because – Kenny Galladay came to the Giants. Marvin Jones is gone to Jacksonville. It's TJ Hawkinson. So, you know, somebody's got to run the wide receiver routes. <laughs> no doubt. As opposed to TJ. To me, that fills need and it is good value. Whether it's Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, I don't really think the Lions can go wrong from that perspective. So that brings me to Carolina at eight. And I think, once again, similar to my philosophy with the Bengals at five, I think Carolina is going to be very happy because you now have Sam Darnold. You watch the Jets not necessarily protect their asset. You invested in defense all of last season. You also invested in defense and free agency by bringing in a few key pass rushers in Hassan Reddick and Morgan Fox. Now you shore up the offensive line, and they could certainly use help. So if they can walk away with Panay Sewell here at 8, I think it fits very well into their game plan and is extremely good value, so they take the tackle out of Oregon. Yeah, I think they're an interesting team, Lance, because I do think that they can go a bunch of different ways, but given Sewell dropped here and to make him – you know, Taylor Moten's running mate to, to bookend that offensive line I and to help Sam Darnold, right? Because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out what, what, what their quarterback can do also. I'm with you. To me, I think this was probably one of the easier ones we've had. All right, let's jump. Let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. Or I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos here at number nine. And I'm happy I didn't go make that offer to the Patriot to the uh, Falcons because I'm sitting <laughs> here. And guess what? Trey Lance is sitting there. So I'm not going to waste anybody's time. I don't trust Drew Locke. They have a new general manager. Uh, John Elway's been hunting for a quarterback since Peyton Manning very unsuccessfully. So Trey Lance is the easy pick here for the Broncos at number nine. Boy. You know, I I could see them doing that, John. Again, you know how I feel about these guys getting overdrafted, but I certainly could see the logic and why you would do that. Uh, I mean, Drew Locke, he's a disappointment. I thought he would be a little bit better than he is, but he's just not very good. He's had a lot of different coordinators. Remember, it's the Alex Smith storyline. Yeah, Three at Missouri, two with the Broncos already. Yeah. Not fun. Now, Shermer no. is returning this year for them, so maybe that'll help a little bit, Well, right? correct. This will yeah. be the first time since his sophomore and junior year at Missouri where he'll have the second straight same offense to work with. It's been quite some time. All right, Paul, you're up for the Cowboys. Yeah, this one gets really, really difficult. Ooh, it really because does. It does. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that if the board falls this way, they're going to be sitting there. They're going to be talking about Patrick Sertan. 
I don't think there's any doubt about that. They might have talked about Farley before his back got hurt. I don't. I never saw Farley as being better than Sertan, but that's just me. Uh, I do think they're going to talk about him. I do think you could make a possible argument about Slater. Oh, sure you can. Because their offensive line could use a fortification. Um, and the Cowboys have picked first-round offensive linemen in the lot in the past, by the and way. And look, Stephen Jones has convinced his father that that is the foundation of winning. And I believe that Jerry Jones has finally caught on. He's listened to Stephen. Stephen, of course, had to grab him by the shirt and pin him up against the wall. <laughs> but at least, at least he, he knocked some sense into the guy. So the question becomes, do they go with Slater? Do they go with Sertan? I'm not necessarily sure that there's anybody else unless they feel very strongly about one of those boom or bust edge rushers. Maybe Parsons here. Would you think about that? Uh, possibly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that Stephen Jones wins the discussion again, and they go with Slater. Interesting. I think I would have went Sertan here based on prediction, but if I were the Cowboys, Lance, I would take Slater. Yeah, I don't think you go wrong with either one of them. I would have probably leaned more towards Sertan as opposed to Slater because as much as I would argue the Cowboys can use some youth on the O-line, I also think in the back of their mind they're saying Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are returning. They're already on the roster. They were hurt all of last year. So it's not as if the Dallas Cowboys are not getting reinforcements, I guess is what I'm getting at. Now, you can only have so many offensive linemen that are going to stay healthy. So if you could add more depth to that, I'm all for that. I think Sertan could have a much more significant impact in year one on that roster than perhaps Slater. I think Slater would be more of a luxury pick compared to Sertan. So well, I would have leaned more towards Sertan. And, and I don't have a problem with your argument on that, uh, Lance, because I think it's a very, very good one to make. Uh, I just look at the way Stephen Jones has been able to change the philosophy of this team to building a very stout offensive line. And considering the fact that you're coming off guys with injury, obviously Tyron Smith is long in the tooth, and Slater does give you that flexibility of being a guard or a tackle. Well, so sure. if any one of four yeah. guys goes down this year, Slater gets plugged in. Yeah, so to me, Paul, this is classic need versus value, right? If they pick on need, yeah. they're picking Slater. But, I mean, they're picking Sertan. But I think if you're picking the better player, I think you pick Slater here, which is why I think it's really interesting. Which, Lance, just made this a lot tougher for you <laughs> at number 11 for the Giants because all four playmakers are gone. Both offensive linemen are gone. <laughs> That's true. And good luck, my friend. The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, well, if Slater was still there, I think I'd have even more to think about in terms of the direction of where the Giants would go. You don't have to debate about the wide receiver so it comes down to, to me, a defensive player that I think the Giants then in this position would wind up selecting. And it's a matter of, do you want to add another young corner into the mix? Or are you happy with what you did in free agency, especially with the addition of a Dory Jackson, who is still young, to compliment James Bradbury and some of the other guys that you've drafted, such as McKinney, who's got versatility? Or do you go after a Micah Parsons, who Sean Spencer is very familiar with, given his Penn State days, and also could be a versatile player within Patrick Graham's defense. I'd go back and forth, and 
I think the Giants under these circumstances would go with Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. As much as I don't want to see that drought end, because then I can't say that they had to pick a <laughs> linebacker in the first round, I think I have to be realistic here, and I think I would give the edge to Micah Parsons. I think I would predict Parsons here too, Paul, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went Sertan either. Yeah, I, I personally, and I'm, I'm going to say it now, I finally decided who it is who realistically could still be on the board, who I'm picking for the Giants, and it is Patrick Sertan. That's the guy. I've, I've made up my decision. The card is in. I felt that way about Isaiah Simmons until one week before the draft last year, and that's when I made the switch to Andrew Thomas. I may switch next week, but I pretty much decided I know Pitts is gone. I know Chase is gone. The third overall guy on my board for the Giants is Patrick Sertan, and I think he's got the best chance of being there. Those other two guys will be gone. So Sertan is the guy I'm pulling for as we sit here today. And you would move Dory Jackson into the slot in yes, that situation? I would. Yes, I would. Okay, fair enough. I, I think I look, I think we, we we put Lance in a tight spot and I think he, he he made a tough call. I like it. All right, let's go to the Eagles. We'll try to pick up the pace here as we try to get to the Giants second round pick. Best player available left on the board, the Eagles selecting at number twelve. Well, it's the guy that Lance did not pick. So I'm gonna give them cornerback Patrick Sertan. The Eagles have been struggling to you know fill out that cornerback spot for a long time. They need a guy across from Darius Slay. I'm giving him Patrick Sertan. Paul, you're up for the Chargers at thirteen. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, you know, I can't say enough about what they what they found in Justin Herbert. Not that any of us thought he would not be good, because that is a guy who I believe we all suspected was going to be worth the high pick that he turned out to be. So I have absolutely nothing to say bad about him. The guy's just, wow, just really love him. Question is, how do you protect him? Mm. With an offensive line, probably. Yes, <laughs> and and I'd like to keep him healthy, John. I really would. And if I'm if I'm the Chargers, as much as I would love to add another pass rusher, to me, the, the tackle is just it, it's a huge need. This is one of those things where I think need is going to push value up a little bit. Now, if you think that Darasaw is worth a top fifteen pick, then this is very simple because need and value match. If you don't think that he is worth a top 15 pick and should be down in the 20 area, then you're going to call this a reach. But I have to take him. I think it's a good pick. Okay. Yeah, I like it too. I'm a big fan of Darasov. I think if the Chargers walk away with him, plus remember, they already brought in two offensive linemen at free agency. It's not as if they need to do an extreme amount of heavy lifting. But if you add now a young guy in the mix with what you already brought in in free agency. Mm -hmm. And they brought in, remember, Matt Filer from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they brought in Corey Lindsley from the Green Bay Packers. They already have Balaga, another former Packer. That's all of a sudden a nice group that yeah. you're putting together for your young quarterback. Agree 100%. Lance, you're up now for the Vikings, and they have an offensive line need as well. They do, but they also need somebody to get after the quarterback. Yep, that's And too. I think with Mike Zimmer still steering the ship, <laughs> hard to believe that after he watched that defense get embarrassed week in and week out down the stretch <clears> last <throat> season. Now, part of it was because of the injuries and also the fact that, remember, Odenabo is now a New York Giant. You know, even the depth of the Vikings pass rush is gone. Daniil Hunter maybe is unhappy with his situation. Who knows whether or not he's going to hang around there. They've lost Everson Griffin. I mean, the list goes on and on. They need somebody to get it after the quarterback. And there are a few intriguing prospects here. I think from a value perspective, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, to me, is somebody that I would point to. 
I think the Vikings are going to think outside the box here, guys. And maybe this is a reach, but I think that they're going to compare this kid to some of the other individuals that they've had measurement-wise. And I think the Vikings are going to take Jason away out of Penn State and go potential and upside, wow. even though the production is not overwhelming. I like it. I like it. All right, let's go to the wow. Patriots at 15. And, guys, I probably should have done, done my ring, 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 joke, joke, joke. If I would have called you, Paul, for the Cowboys at 10 and offered you a second-round pick for the Cowboys to go from 10 to 15 or a second and like a four, would you have done that? I don't think I would have. Lance, what if I called you the Giants at 11 and offered you a two and a four or a two and a three next year or something like that for the Giants to move from 11 to 15? Would you have done that? No, I would have made the pick there. I think okay. there was too good of talent there to pass up. Okay. Because I, 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 if I was the Patriots, I would have made that call. I just kind of forgot because I was so excited about who Lance was going to pick. But okay, good. I'm happy I got that out of the way. But I'm happy I didn't because Mac Jones is sitting there. Woohoo! We're going to go Mac Jones, quarterback, New England Patriots. Very easy. Sit there, get your guy. They hope the next Tom Brady, and we move on from there. Paul, 16, Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals. I, I've got to go secondary here. I think they desperately need help at the corner. Uh, they've they've started to need it actually for a while. So what it comes down to is, you know, how do you feel about Farley's back? How do you feel about Horn, who has certainly risen up a bunch of charts lately? And a guy who seems to have snuck into that top category of corners is Newsom as well. Yep. But but I'm I'm gonna say, and this is my prejudice kind of working against Mr. Farley, because you know, as I as I've told you many times before. I know how these front offices work, and they, they ding guys no, Paul, Paul, for their Paul. injury history. It, it is not prejudice. He's had two back surgeries and an ACL. That yeah. is a legitimate concern. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and you ding guys on your board because of that. Sure. So I'm going to go to Horn here. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think I can go wrong if I'm the Cardinals to take J.C. Horn. I think that's a good pick. Lance, you're up for the Raiders at 17. And I would have considered Horn heavily for the Raiders because they need help in the secondary. I think they need help with every aspect of their defense, in fairness. But – if Horn is off the board, and I know we don't love to see runs on positions, and maybe that's a dangerous area to go if you're a front office executive, but I don't think there is an unbelievable drop-off here. And I'm with Paul. Greg Newsom seems to be getting a lot of buzz, and he just seems like a Mike Mayock type of guy. So I think they'll take Greg Newsom here at 17, Ooh. and we'll have two straight corners according to our mock draft. Did you consider an offensive lineman there, Lance, given that John Gruden just yeah. eliminated three-fifths of his offensive line in the line? No, I, I absolutely did. I just, once again, I think especially with Darisaw off the board, I think now you're getting to the point where maybe you're just taking an offensive lineman for the sake of taking an offensive lineman as opposed to you can maybe get somebody coming up in round two. So I think it's a little bit of a reach as we get to this neck of the woods as opposed to somebody who's really good value. Well, I happen to disagree. So with the Dolphins at number 19, I got my wide receiver with Devonta Smith at six. Give me Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle uh, here, and you can plug him right in at right tackle. You slide hunting to guard, and all of a sudden, you got a nice little offensive line protecting two if you're the Miami Dolphins, and he's a tough, nasty son of a gun mm. that I think will fit nicely in that system they're doing, they're working there in Miami. Paul, Washington, number 19. What are you looking at here? Well, you just took the tackle that I was going to pick for them because I do think they need to. Oh, badly they need a tackle. Yeah, I'm they need you. to do that. They need to do that, and, and I don't know... 
I don't know that there's another first-round graded tackle on the board unless you think that Vera Tucker is playing on the edge. Yeah, that's a good point. If you think he's an inside guy, and I believe most people do, and, and I tend to lean that way as well, then then there are no first-round tackles on the board. Uh, but, boy, do they desperately need that spot. And, again, this is where I'm going to allow need, I think, to crawl into this equation a lot more than it should and and I think you know, I think I'll give them Vera Tucker. It, it, I'm not I'm not thrilled about it because I don't think his grade necessarily as a tackle belongs this high. But my goodness, John, uh, you know th- that that's a bad spot for them. They they're terribly weak there. Would you consider linebacker there instead? Then I would, I would. If I didn't go there, yes, I would. I would go linebacker. Who is your favorite linebacker, Paul? That's left. Just out of curiosity. Well, who's left? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, only Michael Parsons is gone. So, who's your number two linebacker? Yeah. Uh, for me, it would. It's, it's either Collins or Davis. I would probably go Collins. Uh, yeah. Of those two. I would. Con- I would go. I would go Collins. But frankly, probably Paul, first. I think Vera Tucker's a. Uh, for me, at least, he's a more. Uh, he's a higher graded player than either of those two linebackers, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you could make that argument, especially if he's playing guard. I don't nice. know if he is if he's playing tackle. That's fair but point. I'm going I'm to give him to Washington. That's a tough one. All right, Lance, it is. You're, you're up for the Bears at number Yo, 20. Well, oh, and that's why, with respect to value for offensive linemen, if you don't know where a guy fits in, as much as upside he has, I think it brings your value down if you don't know where to put him. So that was another reason why I was hesitant at giving the Raiders an offensive lineman, especially if some of these guys now that we're talking about are more tweeners as opposed to a solidified guy at a specific Mm -hmm. position. As far as the Bears are concerned, Chicago needs a corner because they lost Kyle Fuller, who Denver said, thank you very much, we'll take it from here. So with the three corners essentially off the board, and now we're starting to see a drop-off, I know Farley's there, but once again, the injury history... Are you really willing to bank on him fulfilling your needs and not perhaps missing time? I'd be a little bit concerned there, but I still think the Bears have an opportunity to shore up their defense. So I actually think the Bears could then, based on value and who's still left, I could see them taking Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia and adding him with Khalil Mack. I mean, how could you go wrong in terms of bolstering the pass rush there? Hmm. Interesting. They have Robert Quinn there, too. Well, but once again, we're talking about a veteran guy. That's sure. not a long-term answer. Long Absolutely. in the tooth. Yeah, yeah, no, he is, and he did not have a good year last year either, by the way. All right, so I'm sitting here, Paul, and I'm the Colts, and I really wanted an offensive lineman, and I was hoping you were not going to take Elijah Veritaker. <laughs> you tried to talk me out of him. <laughs> yeah, I know I did. Um, and I would if Tevin Jenkins was sitting there too, I would have been all over him in this spot. And the thing is that they need a left tackle too, right? Because Anthony Costanzo is retiring. So who's going to be... That other offensive lineman, I mean, do I go all the way down to, like, Sam Cosme here? I think this is a little bit too rich for that. So I think as much as I hate to, I'm going to have to go off of the offensive lineman here. And I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to try to solidify my defensive front. You know, they they traded with the 49ers, and the name's on the tip of my tongue. Who's the defensive tackle they traded for last year from the Niners? Help me out. I don't remember. Was tra- it Thomas? No. They traded their first-round pick last year for the, the defensive tackle from the 49ers. And I, uh, Buckner? DeForest Buckner. DeForest right. Buckner. Buckner. DeForest yes. Buckner. Yes, Thank DeForest you. Buckner. Yeah, I You're got right. there eventually. Yes, so you did. I think, I, think uh, I would think about taking Jeremiah Wusu koromoa here, but I think 
He has a mimicked skill set. I thought he could have been a pick for you too, Paul, with Washington, by the way. Um, he has a mimicked skill set to me with their current inside line, middle linebacker, who's also very, very good. So I'm going to go with my next highest graded defensive player on this board. I'm going to go with Christian Barmore, defensive tackle of Alabama. Hmm. Might be a tad high, John, but I understand the reasoning. I mean, I don't know who else is left that's graded higher than him. Well, not at that position. I don't know of any. I, I just don't know. No. Yeah, it's it's. No. I mean, not even at that position. Just in general, I think he might be my next guy on my board here. To be honest, well, with it you. depends on how do you feel about the boomer bust edge guys. Yeah, no, yeah, no. that's really the Correct. wild card here. You're right, um, and you I, know, I don't think they have a big need. Yeah, you know, I could have taken an edge there, I guess, but I'm going to go Baltimore. And then, and then the other spot you could potentially go if you want to, which is where the Tennessee Titans are going to go at 22. Uh, they really need a corner, but again, Farley's injury history is just going to slide him way down for me. And and I could very easily see them taking Rashad Bateman. I know you like him a lot, John. Uh, I was less enthusiastic about him. You suggested I watch the 19 tape. I did. It's a hell of a lot better than it was in 20 in 2020. Uh, so I could see Tennessee uh, going for Bateman. All right, Lance, you're up for the Jets here, and I believe this is your second Jets pick, correct? You were the first. Oh no, Paul. Yeah, I, yeah, correct, the first yeah I yep. picked Zach Wilson. So here we go. You got the double dip. And Tennessee just lost Corey Davis to the Jets, so you could see them maybe going with a wide receiver to fill in and complement A.J. Brown. It would certainly give them two big targets for Ryan Tannehill, so I could see that making sense. I happen to be a big fan of Bateman, by the way, too, so I am not complaining about that selection. As far as what the Jets do with now this second first-round pick, if they grab the quarterback and they address the offensive side of the ball in free agency— Offensive line, I would still say, is in need. But once again, value doesn't wow me here. So if I'm the Jets, I'm looking to shore up the defense once again. I think that Lawson is a nice addition, but I think you could add even more. So if I'm the Jets, I would go with Jalen Phillips out of Miami and go with the upside. I know that there's a little bit of concern about the concussion, but I'd go with another guy that can help me get after the opposing quarterback. No, I like that pick there. I think that's a good pick. And, yeah, I think that's a really, really solid. And, and the Jets have been looking for an edge rusher for, like, two decades at this mm -hmm. point. So yeah, they desperately need one. Good pick there. All right, Steelers at 24. They really need an offensive lineman because Ben Roethlisberger cannot move, which is a problem. Uh, they lost a Villanueva in the offseason. Uh, they lost a guard as well. So they really need, I think, in my opinion, to shore up that offensive line. I do not love the value here, I will be honest. But I do think a guy that fits into how they want to play and has a lot of the tools they're looking for. So I'm going to give them Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama here with a little guard tackle flex. Leatherwood. Hmm. All right. Uh, that's an interesting pick, John. That's... I, I, I thought about the, I thought about the uh, Notre Dame tackle. Um, I did. I thought that was a possibility here. But I think they probably believe that they can train Leatherwood enough where you can get him out to tackle. But if you got to play him a guard, that's fine. Uh, I thought Eichenberg was a possibility, or so was Cosme. But I'm going to go Leatherwood instead. I think I, I think I, he fits that big, tough, strong, nasty thing that the Steelers are looking for. I thought you might throw Mayfield in that mix. Uh, I watched Mayfield the other day. I do not think he's a tackle. I'm not necessarily a huge fan either but he does seem to have uh, a lot of fans uh, who are uh, who are pushing him up a little bit. Uh, I got Jacksonville. I by the way, I didn't mean to cut you off, Paul. I would yeah. not sleep on a center for the Steelers here, too. So you, you would consider Dickerson? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, nah, you know what? I think I think I see. I would pick Creed Humphrey over Dickerson because of the injury factor. But yeah, I think I think that would be a, a very big possibility here too. I'm yeah. with you. And again, remember, that, Pouncey that, retired, so they need somebody. Yep. And you know how I feel about injuries, John. So I wouldn't argue if you wanted to move Dickerson down. Uh, at 25, I've got Jacksonville for the second time, and and this is very interesting because you know i could i could really really kind of rock this this boat a little bit by taking Fryermuth cuz they desperately could use a tight end for Lawrence and everybody knows that a tight end is a quarterback's best friend but i don't think he's worth that pick Fryermuth is a lower first round guy and probably an early second round guy so i don't want to overdraft him so i'm i'm going to wind up taking Tony and i'm going to give Lawrence the speedster Right. Florida connection to Urban Meyer. You guys not thrilled with that? No, one? I think that's a fine pick. I, I think he's right in that next group for the for the for the best wide receiver left. You know? I, I do you think he's a little bit of a um, copy of Lavisca Chenault? That would be my only concern about that. Yeah, uh, you know, the more the merrier, though. Give no, give Lawrence as many targets as possible. All right, Lance, you're up with. They the- also added some wide receivers in free agency. I referenced Marvin Jones earlier when we were talking about the Lions. So I think it depends on how content they feel about what they've put together in free agency. But I can't argue with giving Trevor Lawrence somebody to work with. So it's hard to dispute that. Here comes the Cleveland Browns, and Cleveland actually coincidentally the other day brought in Jadevian Clowney to yes. complement the likes of Miles Garrett. But you know, once again, Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator. If you look at this Cleveland team, they have one of the best defensive units in the NFL because I think they got playmakers at every single level. So while you want to add another weapon for Baker Mayfield, you can make the argument. I don't think it's necessarily a big necessity. So I would look now to add more depth to that defensive front. And when you look at value, when you look at who's still on the board, when you look at versatility, I think they'll go with Jeremiah Wusu. Koromoa out of Notre Dame and try to move him around to really tap into his true potential. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a very intriguing pick. I, I happen to be much more down on him than most people, uh, Lance. I, I I think he is just not big enough to be in the front seven. I, I think if, if people get to the second level on him, they'll take him out. So he's got to be more of a of a monster back, you know, in, in the secondary for me, more of a strong safety. If I'm the Ravens, I'm pounding my fist on the table because they wanted a Wusu Koromoa dropping to them, and you can put him exactly in. You know how the creative the Ravens are, Paul. Mm-hmm. They would find the spot for him and mm-hmm. use him. So the Ravens are the king of, of, of finding the sore thumb, right? Who's the guy left on the board that has the highest grade that has not been taken yet? And, you know, they did lose Matthew Judon in free agency, and they're going to replace him right here with Cody Pay out of the University of Michigan. Wow. And I should have taken him for the Colts a few picks earlier, but I got to pick him now, so that's good. (laughs) All right, Paul, you're up with the Saints next. Yeah, New Orleans uh, needs secondary help. Again, I don't see the value here, so I'm going to have to pass on secondary help. They could certainly use another receiver. Um, do I do it? Oh my God, I I really like this player so, a lot. Go for it, Terrace Marshall. Nice. Oh, put him those two next. That's up. it. How about that size at wide receiver with him know. And Michael Thomas? I Ooh. know, I know. It's just it's too sweet to pass up, John. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think we're getting to that fringe area where he's got to be in the conversation. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't know that he is a lock, stock, and barrel. 28th pick in this draft, but 
the LSU connection too, which is just too good. All right, Paul, uh, Lancey, you're up with uh, uh, the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. Packers. Yeah, and much like Pittsburgh, they need a center because Corey Lindsley, as I referenced, went to the Chargers, and you better have somebody that can help protect Aaron Rodgers. So I think center's a priority here, and I reference Landon Dickerson or Creed Murphy, who you brought up, John, would both be good options for Pittsburgh. I think they're both in play here for the Green Bay Packers. There's something about Murphy that just screams out Lambeau Field, Green Bay, toughness, Oklahoma boy. So I'm going to go with Creed Murphy here to help protect Aaron Rodgers. Creed Humphreys, you mean, right? Creed Humphrey, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, where's that coming from? Cool. All right, I think that makes sense. That's a very good pick. All right, now we got it back to me at the Bills. The Bills are very annoyed because their top edge rushers are all off the board here, and they desperately need a pass rusher, which I thought would fall to them in this spot. It is not. So the Bills, being that they're a very good team and they can play for the future a little bit, they're going upside here. They're going to take cornerback Caleb Farley and try to get him on the field here with that fifth-year option. Oh! I, I don't think Ralph's going to be happy with you. You don't think so? <laughs> Folks, that's an inside joke. Yes. I don't think you would understand. Paul and I both have a, a, a very good friend that's a Bills fan. I think that's a great value. A Bills here, fan? Though, he went all the way out to Kansas City now, uh, via airline to see that playoff game. Wow. That's how big a Bills he, fan he, he is. He will enjoy Caleb Farley playing across from Tredavious White an awful lot. So that's He's fine. like a lieutenant of the Bills Mafia is what he is. <laughs> Well, you would have to let me know how the Italian Mafia runs their ranks. So I'm not sure how that works, Tino. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go to Kansas City. Chiefs. All right. Uh, you know, I think that Mr. Spagnolo would really love to get himself an edge guy here. And so Gregory Rousseau, personally for me, is, is a real boomer bust guy. But I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are a really good team. They can be patient. They can wait, and they can tell Spags that he's got his next JPP. So Gregory Rousseau to Kansas City. That's a good pick. Would you consider any other the, the edge players over him at this point, Paul, or is he clearly your next best guy? Well, I think I think because they can afford to wait, uh, the upside on the boom or bust part of the equation gives them the luxury of taking a shot that this guy could wind up being you know, a blow-up superstar down the road. Again, I'm not sure that I would feel that way, but given that the fact that their team is so so good as it stands, and Spags, my goodness, you you know you know what Spags does with even mediocre talent. Never mind a guy who can really, uh, you know, show him some upside. I know I think that's the guy that 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 fits best for them right here. Lance, you're up for the Bucks at 32, the Super Bowl champions that have managed to figure out a way to return every one of their starters from last year's team. Yeah, which is why this is pretty much a nice luxury pick Oh, yeah, it is. And I was eyeing Caleb Farley before the Bills took him off the board. I thought that would have been a good luxury pick selection because you don't need to rush him and put him on the field. You could develop him, get him fully healthy. And I don't see them adding an offensive player just because I don't think the value lines up here. So... I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. There's two guys that I really like who I think would make sense, but there's one that's calling out more so than the other, and I think the Bucks are going to take, even though you could argue there's a position where they feel really good, the rich get richer. Zaven Collins, Ooh. the linebacker out of Tulsa, who's got a lot of versatility. He's got athleticism. I think if you toy with him, Levante David and Devin White, I like the feel of that. I'm going to go with Zayvon Collins rounding That's out the first round. That's a terrific pick, Lance. Good player. And I love the value there, too. 
He's uh, yeah, he he's a good one, and I and I don't know, I don't know what you guys have heard, but it seems to me over the last three or four weeks, he seems to be moving up boards. I agree, and I yeah. he 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 is my number two linebacker. Uh, you know how many two hundred sixty pound linebackers? And by the way, I actually like him in coverage too. I think he makes he's really, really good in coverage. I think he has really yeah. good instincts for a guy that that size. So yeah, Lance, I think that's a really good value pick. I'm, yep. I'm with you. All right, so I get the Jaguars here. Um, let me see. So Paul picked Trevor Lawrence for them so far. And who is your second Jaguars pick, Paul? You got Kadarius Tony. So yes. you have a wide receiver, and of course you have your quarterback. So what I'm looking for here, Paul, I'm still looking to help my quarterback as much as I can. And I got a lot of picks, and I want to protect him. So I think he's going to go, let's go Landon Dickerson, center slash guard out of Alabama here to try to give Trevor Lawrence that protection up front. Okay, now I must tell you, John, I only printed out the first round. Okay, so we are at the New York. <laughs> Paul, you're at the New York Jets at 34. Okay, Lance had their two picks in round number one, and he selected for them Zach Wilson, and then his second first first round pick was Jalen Phillips. Okay, okay, so. And by the way, we will go, folks, just until the Giants' second-round pick. That's the point of this. We're not going to go past that, just FYI. All right. Uh, I could see... I could see the Jets taking Joe Tryon out of Washington. Ooh, double up on the edge players. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I, I Look, John, they got a defensive head coach, right? And they really need to get after the quarterback. Would you consider a running back here? Probably not. Okay. I think they could get a running back later on. Fair enough. All right, Joe Tryon, I like it. I think he's the next best edge guy off the board. I'm with you. Lance, you got the Falcons in the first round. Paul got them Kyle Pitts. And otherwise, if you look at their – I found it funny. When you looked at their needs, Lance, on NFL.com, they literally list every single defensive <laughs> well, position. Surprised. So <laughs> I think you have some freedom here to, to, to pick the best defensive player on the board. Well, their defense improved, I thought, down the stretch when they made the change. Raheem Morris, who took over – on an interim basis, I think maybe that was slightly a response. But, yeah, they need desperation across the board, I think is a good way to describe everything. They lost Keanu Neal in Frage. Do you remember he signs with the Dallas Cowboys? So this guy that I'm taking was actually somebody who I thought the Bucks could consider. But the pick that I ultimately went with, Zayvon Collins, was just too attractive to pass up. I like the Falcons addressing their secondary. I think they need a lot of help there. So I'm going to go with the versatile member of the TCU secondary, Trayvon Merrick. Ooh, I, I like think that. he'd be a really good fit in Atlanta. Yeah, and he's expected to be a first-round pick, by the way. I think yep. all of us just figured safety, position value, not where we're going. But I think that's a good pick. All right, we'll try to express this a little bit. I got the Dolphins at 36. I already got them a wide receiver and an offensive lineman for Tua. Well, I'm going to give him another Alabama former Alabama teammate. I give him Najee Harris. Running back out of Alabama. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can pass protect. He can run between the tackles. He checks every box. And I waited till the second round because I don't like using first-round picks on running back. So, Dettino, so Nick Saban might as well return to the Dolphins and coach yes, him again. Yes, he might as well. <laughs> you are correct. You keep giving him all Alabama players. So. Well, I, well, the— <laughs> No, I'm just saying. <laughs> the um, Well, I, I gave him Tevin Jenkins with the second pick, so only two out of three. But, yes, you're correct. <laughs> Paul, you're up uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles in the first round. The Eagles— uh, we're given Patrick Sertan by yours truly. So you're yes. up for them in round two. Well, this you actually made it easy for me to go to round two because uh, I've got to go receiver and Elijah Moore. Oh, I think that's a really – he's a nice slot receiver to fit right in exactly. with uh, Rager and Hightower. I think that's a real nice pick. 
All right, Lance, you're up for the Bungles at pick number 38. In the first round, Cincinnati via you selected Jamar Chase. Because I passed on the offensive lineman, I thought the skill position was too attractive. So here's where they should certainly think about an offensive lineman. And I think that there's certainly some attractive candidates out here. I would go back and forth with a few. I do also like somebody on the defensive line that they could utilize because the Bengals weren't very good against the run. I'm going to pass on the offensive lineman, and I'm going to go with the defensive lineman, and I'm going to put some boogie into it. Carlos Basham going to the Bengals here oh, out of Wake Forest. You just annoyed Paul a little bit. I know I did, but I, once again, <laughs> I'm looking at it at value too oh, here. I understand. And, and I think the Bengals need help still on the defensive front. Yeah, well, for, for those of you who have been following our program and our taped uh, uh, spots that we've been doing on Giants.com with John, my two favorite realistic picks for the Giants are Sertan at 11 and Boogie Basham at 42. And I do think Basham has a chance to get there. And I would love nothing more than to see those guys wearing Giants blue. All right, so I'm going to go. So that's defensive. I'll just put DL because I think he can play both. We'll go Boogie Basham there. All right, so now we're going to go to me, who's selecting for the Panthers. They got Penny Sue in the first round. They need some corner help on defense, and I'm going to give him who I think is easily the next best corner on the board. I'm going to give him to Sante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. Mm. And I do not think he's a slot guy, by the way. I think he plays outside. Okay, well, I was going to say that's why you're doing that because yep. I think Molden is probably the best slot guy left. Right? I, I think Samuel's an outside cornerback. Well, that's why you did that. Yep. All right, I got to go to Denver. Now, what did what Denver already grab? Uh, they grabbed Lance, right? Yeah, Trey Lance, that's it. And that's all they did. All right. Oh, my goodness. So so Jasmine Davis is still sitting there. That, the, Jamin, no S. Uh, yeah, yes. uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I was thinking about him with the last pick, too. They, they got to take him. Yep. They got to take him. Jamin yep. Davis, he's the linebacker out of Kentucky, by the yes. way. Yes, yes. All right, Lance, you're up for the Lions here. The Lions in round number one. Via Detino selected Jalen Waddle. See, there's another wide receiver here that I heavily consider. I just, once again, I can't see Dan Campbell saying he's going to take two wide receivers in his first two picks, as attractive as that may be. So I think they'll look to shore up a defense, which also had major issues last season. They've never really solidified to me the linebacking spot. And there's another linebacker here that I think would be really good value. I can see them taking Nick Bolton out of Missouri. I think good pick. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Okay, and then the Giants are up at 42. And, all right, I have to bring in my boys here. I don't like any of the wide receivers that are left for them here. I think all the guys that would be good enough are gone. I think De'Ami Brown is probably my next guy. Rondell Moore's injuries the last two years scare me. I don't want to go there. Is there a wide receiver, guys, that I should be heavily considering here that I did not mention? Probably not. I agree. All right, now let's go edge player. If Joe Tryon was on the board, I would have considered him. If Basham was on the board, I would have considered him. Joseph Asai is my next guy. I, would I think agree with he that. is very, very tantalizing here. And I would measure him, and I would take him linebacker out because they took Parsons in the first round. So I think I'm weighing Joseph Asai here against Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame and probably Sam Cosme out of Texas. I think Eichenberg is the safer player. I think Cosme has more upside. 
I don't think you can go wrong picking a Notre Dame offensive lineman. I believe he has tackle guard flex, which I like. Dylan Radens out of North Dakota State's another option here, but I think that's a reach. I John. think I think that's too high for him. I agree. Boy, this is a really tough decision because here's the thing. I feel like I can get a good enough offensive lineman in round three, and I do not think I can get a good enough edge rusher in round three. So I'm going to go with Joseph Osai, edge rusher out of Texas. I suspected that's what you were going to do. But here's the thing that I don't like. Eichenberg is probably a higher-graded player for me. But I feel like I can get a... Maybe I'm not going to tackle Paul. I feel like I can get a good guard at the top of round three and be okay with it. Oh, I think you definitely can. The question is, did you want to go somewhere else and go for Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State, understanding that, A, Rudolph is coming off of foot surgery and Ingram is in the last year of his deal? I would... And and to Lance's point, you're not just drafting for this year. I would not because I have Tommy Tremble as my number two tight end. Oh, you and, like Tremble! And I think I can get him in round number three. You like Tremble! And let me tell you, Yay! This, Paul, I might like him more than you. I oh. watched when I finally got around to his tape. I worship him. What do you mean? It's, I worship him. For me, it's his position flex. Do you know who he is? He's Kyle Juszczyk that can also play in line tight end. He could John? be your lead blocker as a fullback. He could yes. be an H-back. Yes. He could be an inline tight end. Yes. You can split him out wide. Yes. He can run the seam. I know all he about can, him. He can block. He does everything. I like him better than Fryermuth, but I think this is maybe a little bit too rich for my blood at 42. But that's why I'm not picking the tight end because I love Tommy Trump. Do, do you remember a few weeks ago when I said to you on the show, this guy is a pit bull. He has a high motor, he's gritty, he's rugged, and he's got tremendous athleticism that has been untapped. Notre Dame has not used him very much as an athletic yeah, weapon in, the passing game. in vertical down the field stuff. He did it like once or twice the whole year, and he, he did it well. He can do it. I know he can. He can do it, and he's got hands, and he blocks, and he's smart. I love Tommy Trump. I was waiting to drop that on you at some point. I was happy I was able to drop it now. <laughs> well, you knew it. You knew I it. Did. You knew right. it. I've you been know, affectionate he's actually, for that guy for weeks. As a quick side note, he's actually the ideal Kyle Shanahan type of player. If the Niners could get their hands on him, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, they already have Yuschik. I don't think they need him. I know, him. But, but you know with Shanahan, he'll no, finally put him on the field. So, Lance, your thoughts on my and, – and, and, and I am going to get to, like, two callers here. We'll, we'll go a little past one. I promise you calls. I will get you calls. I promise. Um – Lance, your thought on my decision selecting between, and Paul, you too, I don't think you really answered either, between Osai and either Eichenberg or Cosme there. I would have probably leaned a little bit more towards Eichenberg. I like his flexibility. I like the program he came from. I like the durability factor. So when you combine all of that, I'm not saying that you can't get an offensive lineman in the later rounds, but I think that would have been good value. And remember, my philosophy has been with respect to pass rusher, I'm looking at Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez returning. How they hold up, still a question mark and a valid question mark, but I'm looking at reinforcements already on the roster, whereas you don't really have a reinforcement on the offensive line because you essentially played all the young guys last season. So that's why I probably would have leaned a little bit more towards Eichenberg. And, and by the way, Eichenberg would be a fine pick here. I'd be totally okay with that too. I just I, I feel like I can get his teammate Banks in round three. 
and I'm going to go home and I'm going to have a guard that I feel good about. <laughs> he likes Banks too. I, well, See, you love my guys. Like the entire Notre well, Dame roster, Paul. This is no, no. It's hysterical because well, because John likes my guys. He usually doesn't like my guys. No, I, I, I look. I don't make calls on guys until I watch them, and I, I watch them, and I, and I think I wouldn't pick him in the second round. No, no, I, no, no, I think, no, no. I think no, as no, a third no, round pick, he's a guy you could think about. So you know, I've not gotten through all my guards yet. Uh, that 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 they're that that's one of the position I've not really gone into super depth in yet. I hope to do that this afternoon. But look, I think it's a tough spot here, and that's why. And this, by the way, this is why I would not want to take a Micah Parsons in the first round because then I get put in the spot where I'm trying to prioritize three positions that I really want to take, wide receiver, offensive tackle, and edge rusher. And I really think I need to draft one guy at each one of those spots with fairly premium picks. And I don't like not picking one of those guys in the first round. Lance, I, I think Parsons was the right pick there. I'm not saying you, you picked the wrong guy. But this is why I'm in such a tough spot here in round number two picking between the offensive lineman and the edge player because the edge players will be wiped out. If you do not pick one here, you're not getting one that's any good. You're picking a developmental guy. And do I want to walk out of this draft without an edge rusher at all? Probably not. And I like Joseph Osai. I think he's going to be a good player. The Giants need that a lot. So that's why I picked the pass rusher here. Anyway, all right. We got somebody on hold. We'll take one more call after that. Paul Lenz, you guys got an extra 10 minutes. You're fine. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right, nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Let's go to the calls. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Caller. Hello? Yes. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, hi, I'm Paul. I'm in, uh, from Miami. Paul, what's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. I'm. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for getting my call. Um, a couple of points I wanted to uh, bring up and get your opinion on. Um, and then most of my research is by listening to you guys. Um, I'm definitely not a scout, but uh, I. Uh, you, Neither were we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you had mentioned on several occasions that the uh, the depth at the offensive line, in particular, and the uh, wide receiver. Um, I, I just wonder, uh, and I you know would love uh, um, either Sertan uh, and then even Parsons. Now you guys have sort of convinced me uh, would be great in round uh, in round one at number eleven. Um, and you know, and with the the idea that you could uh, pick up. Um, either a decent receiver or offensive lineman in round two. Um, although our, my question basically is, are are those guys at the top of round one that much better uh, considering the depth uh, available to later rounds? Well, I can and, tell um, you right now, very quickly, Paul, based on the mock draft that just happened, the answer is yes. Devontae Smith uh, and Waddle are much better than the wide receivers that I would have been choosing from here at number 42. Much mm-hmm. better. Completely different field of players. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, great. And uh, now... I, you know, uh, the, the biggest knock about uh, Devontae Smith uh, is, is really his, his weight. Um, not so much his size, but if I saw correctly, he's got a few inches on uh, on this uh, Waddle kid. About two inches. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I thought there was more. But, um, and I, I know Waddle's, uh, you know, got a, a better flat-out speed. Yep. But, um, you know, to, uh, Smith doesn't seem to be a slacker by, uh, by any stretch. Um, I mean, what are the chances this kid puts on 10, 10 15 pounds when he gets into the league? And uh, does that... Um, does does that damage his his agility at all? Yeah, he, look, uh, I, I, Paul, I think he can. The only issue is that he was basically in an NFL weight program at Alabama, and he didn't put on weight there, which makes me worry. You know, some guys just have slight frames, and that's just kind of the way they're built. And I worry about with that with him. Now, I don't think that again that wouldn't scare me off the pick necessarily, but I would not count on him ballooning up to 185 when he gets to the pros. I just don't think that's what his frame is. I would not either. And and furthermore, I want to make sure I, I make this clear. It's not just the number of his weight, where his poundage lands. 
It's also about the frame and how it's put on him. Waddle is definitely a little bit thicker. No, he it's is. not just the 10 or 15 pounds that he's got. His frame is thicker. He has a wider frame. Therefore, mm-hmm. he will be more durable. That is not open to debate. He will be more durable than Smith will. Now, Paul, well, again, lower leg injuries have nothing to do with, with the frame. Waddle could have a bunch of hamstring injuries, ankle injuries, and knee injuries, and Smith well, might not. Anybody can twist an ankle, twist a knee, pop a hamstring, That's my rip point. an Achilles. Right. That's true. That's true. But when you talk about taking the pounding at the National Football League level with the speed, the force, the weight behind these hits so in what, the NFL. So what injuries are you worried about with Smith then? You're talking about like collarbones, shoulders, I'm worried ribs. about ev- every injury known to mankind. Durability-wise, I think he's going to be taking practices off. He's going to be a guy who's going to be on maintenance programs. He's going to be guy a guy who misses games. But why, why do you think he'll be more susceptible to leg injuries? Because I don't think leg I'm injuries... Not suggest- have- I've never said leg injuries. Well, that's I've why never I'm, said that once. Well, that's why I'm asking you. What injuries are you worried about with him then? I'm just talking... Talking about overall ability to stay on the field for practices and for games. I'm not going to specifically start naming injuries because that's that's just dumb. I think that that the fact that his frame is much more slight simply says there's a better chance he's going to have bumps, bruises, aches, and pains that could potentially keep him on the sideline. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'm, not, I'm not Jones. I'm not by the way, specifying is six three two twenty. And they use him on a maintenance type of game plan in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So he's got a number of inches, and he's got weight on Devontae Smith, yet he has been plagued by issues all across his career. And Lance, another guy that never practices is DeAndre Hopkins, who's plenty yeah. heavy. I'd so, rather have both of those guys over Devontae Smith, just so you well, know. Well, no, of course. Well, so, so Yeah, but we. my point is, though, those guys have more of a track record with injury than Devontae Smith has. That's my point. Okay, and they but, have a little bit more on their frame and more size. Yeah, but they're, they're on maintenance programs because their teams believe that they are going to be performing at peak efficiency if they're giving them some of those blows. I'm talking about Devontae Smith not being able to get on the practice field, not being able to play games. No, I, I, look, I've, I've made up my mind on this. I know a lot of scouts <laughs> who feel this way. I'm sorry. No, fair that's enough. just the way it is for me. And that's okay. All right, let's use in one more call, guys, at 973-667-1960. Call, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, was the last question I had? Oh, I'm sorry. You're still there. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize it myself. Uh, I, if, <laughs> if you don't have time for it today, but if not uh, Monday, um, could, could you guys explain how the supplemental draft works? Yeah, sure. Uh, Paul, real quick. Well, the supplemental draft is for guys who did not qualify in time to make it to the regular NFL draft for whatever reason, either their credits, uh, uh, they had to finish a class, uh, they had to get uh, test scores verified, uh, could have been a medical thing. For whatever reason, they did not get into the regular draft by the deadline. So if the, provided that they graduate on time, okay, and can get their name into the submission list for the supplemental they get the opportunity to do that. But I'll be honest with you, John, the one thing that I'm not sure about, what about all these FCS schools that played this spring? And the fact is that those those schools, they're all allowed to add an extra year of eligibility to those players. Yeah, my imagine is that those players probably are not trying to go to the NFL. And if those guys were trying to go to the NFL, they probably did not play in the spring season. I, you know bet. what, John? I don't know the answer to that. Because what if an FCS guy had a really good spring season yeah. and now all of a sudden says, oh, my God, they're projecting me to be a second-round pick. No, Maybe point. he wants to go. That's a good point. 
And by the way, in case the caller was interested, I, I don't know what he was pointing at in terms of the structure, but it's it's based on a bidding process where you assign a round to a player, right. and then whoever has the highest bid ultimately lands the player. That's at least how structurally right. the supplemental draft works. And the tiebreaker. You were talking more about how guys are eligible for the supplemental right. and, draft. And and the tiebreaker works based on record too. So the yeah. team with the worst record will get priority if two teams put the same bid in. For the same player. All right, we'll try to squeeze one more call if you guys want to get in real quick in 973-667-1960. All right, real quick before we say goodbye, guys, in case we don't get a call, your thoughts on where the Giants wound up with their first and second round picks. I'm not going to say this is a worst-case scenario for me, but I can tell you it's not my best-case scenario <laughs> based on how these first two rounds went because I didn't walk away with a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, so I'm not really happy about it. But I think you did get two pretty good players in Micah Parsons and Joseph Osai. I would be disappointed with these two picks, John. I, I've, I've said it uh, earlier, and I'll say it again. For me, realistically, I want Sertan and I want Basham with those two picks. If I get those two, I'm throwing a pizza party, and you guys can come over for extra cheese. <laughs> There's a good chance you're not getting those two guys, by the way. Yeah, uh, I was going to say. Well, I get a better chance that. of those guys than getting Kyle Pitts. Well, that, <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, that is also true. So Paul has once again violated the cardinal sin of fixating on one or two guys so he can be crushed. When he doesn't get them. Lance, your thoughts on how the overall draft has gone? Well, I was the one that made the Micah Parsons pick. And my rationale, once again, was based on need and value at that point. And I didn't think that there was anybody on the offensive side of the ball that justified that. So that's why I went on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I'm seeing some reaction on social media. I think what you have to understand is... Don't tell me that the Giants' defense ranked in a certain spot last season, okay? Spare me those details because the last time that I saw that all of a sudden you start the next season exactly where you finish would be the first time that that's ever happened in NFL history. So don't make assumptions that this unit is just coming back as a finished product. Also, don't make the assumptions that guys are going to suit up for all 16 games. So that's why the philosophy can't be, well, the major need is on offense, so the Giants need to go on offense. No, the major need is where the value matches up and gives the Giants good depth. And that's why I chose Micah Parsons. That was at least my rationale behind the pick. Well, I think and I just want to make that clear. No, I think your rationale was fine, and I think my rationale was fine in the second round. But I think it goes to kind of the overall philosophy, right, where you could want a certain type of player or a certain position, but if the draft doesn't go the way you want it to, you might not be able to pick those guys. And you just kind of make the best of it. And I think it, you know, we always preach here, right, you don't pick a position, you pick a player. And I think that's what we tried to do here, and that's why you don't walk away with, with maybe the positions that you had, you know, prioritized the most, I guess would, would be my point. All right, we got one more caller. Let's do it. 973-667-1960. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Clay from Brooklyn. How are you today? Hello. What's going on, Clay? So um, I think Lance was talking about uh, the tweet that I said. By the way, I haven't seen you guys refer to the uh, Giants chat tweets in months. I don't know if you can still look at them, but well, uh, honestly, we reminder. Well, honestly, we, we <laughs> honestly we really don't get a lot of comments in there. To be quite honest with you, and we've oh, been really? so okay. preoccupied with draft prep. Remember, we've had guests on now for the last two months, almost every no, show, to give you guys draft prep, which is I think more important. Just a friendly reminder. No, fair point. Thank you. Fair point. Absolutely, um, Clark. So I, I hear what you just said. Um, I respectfully disagree. I mean, I, you, we don't start this year with the same ranking as last year. I get that. But our offensive line has been terrible for years. We know this. This is part of why Eli is not our quarterback today. And to, to pretend that that's not true is, is just, to me, short-sighted. 
for you to say that I think we can still get a good guy in the third round, to me, that's short-sighted. We, we have enough defense. We, if we did a top 100 at every position, the last position that Giant would be mentioned in is offensive line. If we cut every single offensive lineman today, maybe Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates would find work uh, as starters. Not, they, they get on a team, but as, as starters. Our offensive line is a huge problem. So to say that I can wait till the third round for the offensive line is just wrong. No, I don't want and, Clay. I don't want to wait till the third round. But that's what I decided the best value was based on where you were picking. So now we're going to lose games, you know, ten nine, and, and, and instead of you know twenty one fourteen. Like we have to get the offensive line better. Period. And so you're picking I, I an offensive lineman at 11 no matter who is on the board. That's basically what you're no, telling no, us. No, no, no. I'm not picking a bad player. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't have rounds one and two be defense. Cannot. I love Michael Parsons. I think he's going to be great. I would. I, I turned season late, so I don't know exactly who was there at 11. If Rashawn Slater was there, I would have taken him. No. Sue and Slater were, were, were both off the board. I would have taken um, AVT. I think AVT, he looks to me like a... Vera Tucker. Oh, Vera Tucker. He looks to me like he's going to be a really good lineman. And, you know, I hear a lot of guys online saying that, oh, you can't pick a guard in the first round. Really? Seriously? Like, it, when your guards are terrible, your offense is terrible. So No, I, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's a ridiculous great. excuse. You pick a guy whose value is there regardless of what the right. position is. So I'm with you on Correct. that. The question becomes, Correct. do you think Vera Tucker is worth the 11th pick on your board? That's probably a bit of that's, a stretch. That's, that's a question. Here's another question. How much better did I just get at the position that I drafted? If, if for example, we had a 4-1 defense and Blake Martinez was going to be the only inside linebacker, is Micah Parsons as much better than Blake Martinez? Because that's what you're saying. No, but no, 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 no. But now you're making a false equivalency. Those guys are going to be on the field together, and you know Correct. that's true. I, I, no, no, I'm not specifically talking about them i'm just you just specifically example. talked about them you specifically asked that as, question as an example as an example no but you no, but your a, example oh, is fine, hooey because that because fine. that I'll oh, use a different thank example. you I'll thank use you a different example fine if you picked osai because you in the second round which you did because you think he's got upside as an edge rusher do you think osai is as much better than carter lorenzo carter for example who he would likely be sharing that spot with as Vera Tucker is better than Hernandez or Lemieux. I think Vera Tucker is much is a much bigger increase in our uh, ability at his position than Osai would be an increase at uh, edge rusher, and so that's why I wouldn't do that. Well, I understand, but the the question I asked myself is that how much better is Liam Eichenberg at guard as compared to a Brady Christensen at guard? Or Deontay yeah, Brown at guard. But we don't have any of those people. But what we have at guard. No, but he could be there. In, no, but one, look, I, I, I'm telling you, there's going to be a guy that is going to be a pretty good guard there at the top of round three. There, there just is. Why? Why? Why is that so certain? But edge isn't. Because the offensive line class is much much deeper than the edge class. Correct. There's more of them, but we don't know how good they are uh, of the top ten. Right what do you mean you don't know how good they are? Left. That that's why you scout As, players. Right, but of the top 10 ranked edge rushers last year, Chase Young was one, but two through 10 produced eight sacks total. Hold on now. And didn't we tell you that for three months going into the draft last year? 
that Chase so, Young was the only guy of the edge rushers who really had any teeth at all because after that it was a total crapshoot. Yes. And by the we way, we told you that. And, and 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 what happened in the 2020 draft class has zero impact on the 2021 draft class. It's a completely different set of no, players. No, but but the, the the point is, John, that we need to right. make to the caller is that this is a boom or bust edge rushing draft. I happen to agree with the caller on this. I wouldn't take Osai at all. I, I thought, that to me, that's not the pick there. But I, I understand that, you know, you're after certain things to enhance this roster. But what you need to remember is that this draft, by most accounts, okay, most accounts by football people who we respect and we've talked to and even people that you can read, is that there are make-it-grade interior offensive linemen who will be there in the third round and maybe even the fourth round. But the entire edge rushing class is boom or bust. That's rolling the dice. Fair enough. So I'm telling you, I would have given how badly we performed in the offensive line for the last 10 years. I would have taken, and again, I tuned in late, but I would have taken Quinn Miners or uh, Trey Smith or Wyatt Davis or Josh Myers or Dylan Radoon, any one of them. No, and that's fair. And look, Clay. Over, um, both sides. No, Clay. And I get that. Look, and, and I said at the time that I was back and forth. I was, I was, you know, flipping the coin was is is you know that, that that's not what right. the process is. But I think there's a really good argument there for offensive line in the second round. But again, I feel really good that in round three, and I'm just going to tell you off of Dane Brugler's big board, right? Dylan Radens is his 74th ranked offensive lineman. 74th. Aaron Banks is his 80th ranked offensive you lineman. You mean overall, John? Yes. He's talking about overall. James Hudson, his 83rd first offensive lineman. Dante Smith, his 89th ranked offensive lineman. Jackson you... Carmen out of Clemson, his 92nd ranked That's offensive the first lineman. Mentioned that Stone Forsyth is 90th, too, on that list. Who? Trey Smith, his 99th ranked offensive lineman. That's because of. Uh, injury, con- I mean, health concerns because there's a blood clot. He's a much better. He he might be the best guard in the draft as far as ability. In my, opinion. I don't even I, think. I don't... You, did you mention the two Ohio State guys? I did not. Well, and he is Wyatt Davis ranked as 63 in terms him. of I, guards. I Davis and Deontay Brown at 71st in terms of guards yeah, of Alabama. So let me tell you, you could do a lot worse than Deontay Brown. Okay, well, I mean, that we all have different opinions. I was thinking Nico Collins before you. Which I know Paulie likes, but I I'm like Nico saying, Collins. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But I, I'm, I'm alleviated from going after a skyscraper because they got one in free agency now. And I, and I, I honestly think I think 42 is a little rich for Nico Collins. I think it is too. I, I think it probably is too. But they, they got a skyscraper now. So the focus is offensive line and guys. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Clay. Show, Be good. Go defense first and two. Thank you for listening, Mike. We, we appreciate it. Thank you. And look, going in, I'm with you. If, if you told me before this mock draft started that they would go defense, defense, I wouldn't be thrilled about it. And if, like, you know, Alex Leatherwood was sitting there at 42, I would have taken him. But I think he's a better player than those other guys. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I landed. I, I don't think Leatherwood's getting to 42. Jim. No, I don't. Well, I, I picked him in the in the high 20s. So <laughs> yeah. what do you think I think about he's, it? He's not getting there. Exactly. No. So, no. But again, if you want to pick Liam Eikenberg there, one of those other offensive linemen, I'd be fine with that. I would not have an issue with it. I would not have an issue with it at all. Because you, look, who's preached the need and want to draft offensive linemen more than I have over the past month? I've been as strong on that as anybody on the show. You know that's how I feel and about it. And for the last 10 years, I would have to raise my hand higher than anybody. Right, of course. But, but, but here's, here's, here's what I my, will my say, My point John. is that the drop-off, Paul, from the guys I was choosing from compared to the guys I can get in, in the low 60s, I didn't think was that big of a difference. And that's I why I took those sides. I understand. For the caller's edification, and I'm going to make the proclamation now, 
I, I've narrowed it down, and here are my top four Giants picks. I'm going to give it to you now, folks. I was going to hold it back a little bit, but I, I, I'm hoping that they can get Sertan. I'm hoping they can get Boogie Basham. Kenneth Gainwell is my is my guy. I'm looking for the running back in the third round, and I'm hoping I can get Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame, the guard, in the fourth round. That's what I'm hoping for. I do love Tommy Tremble, but I think I've got to draft the running back because I don't know about Barkley's injury. Fair enough. Lance, final thoughts? Well, remember, the offensive line is only as effective as the worst offensive lineman. So, you know, even if you do replace one guy, you swap him out, teams are still going to attack your weakest link. I think that's what has been well-documented in the NFL. So, you know, even if we speculate about switching out a guard, you still need to make sure that then that shores up your worst position in your mind. If the answer is no, then you didn't necessarily plug all your holes, and there's still an opportunity for teams to come after the Giants' O-line. Because remember, they game plan against the weakest link every week. That's what teams yep. do. If you yep. ask most coordinators, they pick out the weakest guy, and they say, we're going after him. And the last time I checked, a tackle can't play multiple positions. Center can't play multiple positions. So that guy that's going to be on the island, he's still got to handle his assignments, no matter how you spin it. Just remember one thing. If the Giants' offensive line, especially the interior, is so bad, is as miserable as some of these critics want to say, then the fact remains, if you take a guard – in the third or fourth round, well, then by definition, if the guys you have are so bad, that third or fourth round pick is going to be an upgrade, isn't he? Well, he's going to be an upgrade. There's no doubt about it. But I guess my point is, is the upgrade enough to then cover up the other issues you're claiming? That's where I'm coming from. Are you making that much of a stride with respect to your offensive line that it justifies a selection? I I would say you probably are, and quite frankly, again, I'm not discounting the fact that I believe all the young guys on this offensive line will continue to improve as they work together for a second straight year. And by the way, I and to his other point too, I'll say this: that if they took Elijah Vera Tucker instead of Michael Parsons, I wouldn't lose my mind. I'd be fine with that. No, I think that's, no. a, that's a fine pick. I would have I, no problem with that at all. I agree with you, John. It might be a tad rich, but I could absolutely find logic in taking him. I have very few worries about Elijah Vera Tucker as a player. He's going to be a starter for a long time, hopefully mm-hmm. a pro bowler and all pro, mm-hmm. wherever they put him. And that'll be fine, too. I would not have a problem with that. That's but... exactly why the Giants right. can't go wrong at 11, John. I'm, I'm because there's logic behind about three or four different positions. There will be value there at 11, I'm which is why they need, they need to, to, to sit pat Take the guy who's the best player on the board. They're going to be fine. All right, folks, thanks for being with us on our, for our first Big Blue Kickoff Live mock draft of the year. I didn't do any reads, so i got to do them now. Hey, Giant fans, <laughs> limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Everybody, thanks for listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is part of the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our podcasts, including the Giants Huddle. I had Lewis Riddick earlier in the week. Also had Lance Zierlein. That went up today. Make sure you go check it out. Some of the best draft interviews you'll find on any podcast platform. And, of course, you can also find it 
uh, Giants.com slash podcast in the Giants mobile app. For Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.